Good morning, New Morning Life family. I'm always glad to be with you on a Sunday morning where I can deliver the word of God and give to you what God has given to me. For the Bible says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. The Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And we have so much to magnify the Lord for. We have so much to be thankful for. Despite what's going on in our lives, despite what's going on in the world, one thing is certain and one thing is true. That our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is true. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is loving, is caring, is gracious, and has given us breath in our lungs to see a new day. And as long as we have breath in our lungs to see a new day, we have something to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Nonetheless, I just want to start off by congratulating all of our graduates. At this point in time, I think all the graduation uh, ceremonies are completed now that we're in the month of June. But nonetheless, I'm sure people are still partying and celebrating uh, as they are so happy and elated for the fact that their children, their nieces, nephews, everyone has graduated or moved to another stage in their lives. I just wanted to just congratulate those that are members of New Morning Light Baptist Church or those that are in you all's family that are watching that have graduated. We here at New Morning Light Baptist Church are always excited to support the scholastic aptitude of our congregation and our students. It doesn't matter whether they graduated from elementary to middle school, from middle school to high school, from high school to college, or from college to their career. We are thankful and we are glad for them. Also, it is our first Sunday in June, and that means it is men's month. Last month was Women's Month, this month is Men's Month, so as you all have seen and as you all will continue to see, we will have our men doing our call to worship and we will have them with their sons because we want to show the symbolism of a father and son together or a father and daughter together, whoever it may be. We want to make sure here at our church that we commemorate and we show the symbolism of having strong men in the household. Amen? Nonetheless, there is a word from the Lord, and it comes from Acts chapter 1, and I'll be reading Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, or just watch on your screen. It says, he replied, he is Jesus. It is not for you to know the times or period that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Brothers and sisters, this Sunday, I would like to preach from the theme or topic that the power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. The power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. You see, currently we are in the season of Pentecost. And Pentecost is the liturgical time of year in the Christian calendar where we acknowledge the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see, many believers were able to perform miracles under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we typically go through the book of Acts 
during this time to, to get a better understanding of the work of the Spirit. You see, brothers and sisters, that brings us to the question, what is the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work? And why do we need the Holy Spirit? You see, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity that believers have the hardest time explaining. It's this third part of the Trinity that receives the least attention between the Father and the Son. You see, we typically limit the Spirit to shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues and, and, and turning the Holy Ghost into a cliche term for the amusement of spirituality. Brothers and sisters, we should understand our access to the Holy Spirit as an inherited gift from God, revealing the power all believers possess. To give you a resume of the Spirit, we first encounter the Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1, going to verse 2 and 3 when it says, In the beginning God created the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We can go a little bit further to Judges when it says the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and he killed a lion and then he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed 1,000 men. He tore down the temples of the Philistine, killing the Philistines. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit has been at work for a long time. We see examples of the Holy Spirit in 1 Samuel when the Holy Spirit came upon David. And empowered him to kill Goliath. We see the Holy Spirit in Matthew. Where the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Allowing her to give birth to Jesus. We hear about the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. When Paul says the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. And we also see further along in the book of Acts. But the Holy Spirit encourages people to sell their property and possessions to give to anyone in need. You see, the Holy Spirit is the guiding force that liberates, that gives strength, grants healing, and sustains the well-being of God's people. Even Jesus in the New Testament said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free. You see, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God to command power. It's a gift from God to speak truth to power, to call those things that aren't as though they are, and to be freed from physical, mental, and spiritual bondage. Brothers and sisters, the power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. I don't want to take for granted that we understand what an inheritance is, so to give you a clear definition, the an inheritance is to receive property, right, title, by succession or a will when somebody is deceased as an heir. So you can receive 
a an inheritance as your right through the succession of your bloodline. Brothers and sisters, an inheritance is biblical because we see in Romans 8, verse 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are all heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, this concept of inheritance might be a little difficult for us to grasp culturally. Because as black people, we have historically suffered from a lack of maintaining generational wealth. You see, generational wealth is built on the succession of ownership of things you can pass down from one generation to the next. However, the lack of land, the lack of money, the lack of houses, the lack of assets to pass down has been essential to the success or is essential to the success of the next generation. However, the lack of it is what causes us or what causes us to have some of the issues we have today. You see, after a certain age, you stop working for yourself and you work for the generation that comes after you. But unfortunately, in our culture, most generations start over making it difficult to establish generational wealth. You see, it's very difficult in our culture when every generation, every time someone has a baby or a child, there's nothing to pass down as far as land. There's nothing to pass down as far as cars. There's nothing to pass down as far as a home. And then we find ourselves in this constant cycle of restarting anew. And then, in comparison to other cultures and other races, we ask ourselves, why don't we have some of the same opportunities? Why don't we have some of the same assets and jobs? Why don't we have some of the same land, money, and houses? It's because, for one thing, the previous generations of other cultures have passed on money from generation to generation, have passed on land, have passed on their assets, which have accumulated over time to create this generational wealth and which other cultures have. But brothers and sisters, the good thing about our Father, the good thing about His grace, the good thing about His mercy is that despite what we don't have as a race, despite who didn't leave us anything, despite who is still fighting over what somebody else that has died has left behind. God has left us with an inheritance of the Holy Spirit to provide all we need. You see, the book of Acts says, It is not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That means whenever you feel lonely, whenever you feel Helpless, whenever you feel broken, whenever you feel trapped, remember the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living within you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. Brothers and sisters, the power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. See, the book of Acts 
is evidence of our inheritance of the Holy Spirit because the book of Acts is where we get our understanding of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts was written by the physician Luke, also known as Dr. Luke in present terms. And we have realized, or scholars have concluded, that the book of Acts is the second volume of the book of Luke, or the gospel of Luke. Some people even call it Luke Acts. You see, we see the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So even though Jesus has ascended, in this text, which I'm reading to you here today, Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. But what I'm leaving with you is the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit will be the continuation of my works. This Holy Spirit will be the continuation of my grace. All I need you to do is trust and believe and tap into it. Brothers and sisters, consider the Acts or the book of Acts, the Acts of the disciples under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see, we constantly see the Holy Spirit working throughout the Bible, but specifically in the book of Acts, we see his disciples. We see Paul and Silas. We see Paul and, and we see Peter and we see the other disciples being able to heal and prophesy, being able to work together and build community all through the acts of the Spirit. You see, this book shows us how the Holy Spirit goes beyond the church and goes to work within the community. Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 says they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. See that verse six specifically says, Lord, is it the time you will restore the kingdom of Israel? What that shows us here in the text is that the people that are talking to Jesus that are Jews are concerned about one thing. They're like, Lord, I know you're leaving, but are you at least going to restore us back to what we had? And brothers and sisters, what Jesus is trying to show these Israelites, while you're worried about what you had, I'm trying to show you about what I'm giving you. I'm trying to show you that what I'm giving you in this current moment is enough. Forget about what you had. Be focused on what you had. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we get so caught up on what we've had. So caught up on the way things used to be that we spend so much of our focus and so much of our time trying to get back to a place that God is trying to move us from. And brothers and sisters, if we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to take us from the wilderness to the promised land of what God has promised for us, we would probably have less obstacles and probably meet less resistance. But some of our resistance comes from the fact that what we had was so comfortable and what God is taking to us to doesn't feel as good. 
But brothers and sisters, we have to trust and believe. Brothers and sisters, we have to rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. You see, what makes the Holy Spirit difficult to understand is our lack of understanding of spirituality. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We barely know what it means to be human, let alone how our humanity relates to our spirituality. Let me give you an example. I've heard examples of close siblings, specifically twins or close family members, people that have great bonds with their, with their children, a father and son or a father and daughter or a mother and son or a mother and daughter and how when one of them dies, sometimes that child that has such a deep connection with their parent or that child that has such a deep connection with their sibling can feel the moment of their sibling's death. And they relate it to this, this feeling of coldness that courses through their body at the death of their sibling. And brothers and sisters, there is no logical explanation for that. But their spirit is aware that their loved one has passed. Brothers and sisters, this aspect of the spirit is so deep and sometimes not conceivable or understandable that when you walk into a room, Sometimes you can walk into a room and immediately you can be aware of the fact that, wait a second, something's off. Wait a second, there's some bad juju in here. Wait, 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 wait a second, my, my, my spirit doesn't feel right. There, there's no logical explanation, but the spirit can feel that the room is off. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you can have family members like, like that grandmother or like that mother that when you bring a significant other home, she can look at them and tell that they're not right for you. She can look at them and tell that their spirit isn't right. They can look in that person's eyes and say, mm-mm, I don't know about this one. You might want to try again. And brothers and sisters, that's the discernment of the spirit. You see, the spirit has always been something we are aware of, but don't fully understand. You see, we are spiritual beings living a physical reality, but we tend to place more emphasis on the physical because the physical reality is what's visible. But I came to let you know this Sunday morning that it's the spiritual that guides all that is physical. You see, if the spirit is gone from the body, guess what? The body is dead. You see, scientists can alter DNA and recreate cells and give you prosthetic organs, but they cannot manufacture a soul. Brothers and sisters, the spirit is our inheritance from God that only God can manufacture and only God can control. And brothers and sisters, when we begin to tap into the spirit, we tap into an aspect of God that goes beyond human reasoning. You see, this may be a difficult concept to understand because we are physical beings. Seeking to understand spiritual concepts. 
You see, the Bible and religion are examples of humanity's grasp at trying to understand God through recorded history, but we fail to realize sometimes that God is not human. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are high and are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So brothers and sisters, there will always be some discrepancy between our mind and the mind of God. There will always be a disconnect between our understanding and God's understanding. Brothers and sisters, that's why we have to trust the power of the Holy Spirit to fill in the gaps of things that we do not understand. This reminds me of my first day in seminary. You see, I was so excited. I wore a suit that day because I thought since we were in seminary that the, the ministers wore suits to class, but uh, I was the only one in the suit, but nonetheless, I was clean though. So I'm in there and I'm sitting on the second row of, of, of class and I have my notebook, I got my briefcase, I, got, I, I have everything, I'm, I'm ready. My notebook is color coordinated with each subject. I have my pen, I have my mechanical pencil, I even have my, 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 my canteen of water and I'm excited because I'm ready to learn the secrets and the answers to God and the Bible. I mean, I've been waiting for a long time to get some answers. And I've come to the seminary to understand what God is doing in the world, what God has done in the world, and what God will do. I, I'm, I'm trying to get this understanding of God, and I came here to, these, to this seminary to sit under a professor who's been studying the Bible for 30 and 40 years that's going to give me the answers. However, brothers and sisters, to my dismay, the professor comes in, and he comes in with this smug look on his face, and the first thing he says is, if, if you came here looking for answers, I regret to inform you that you won't find any answers here. He said, here in seminary, we are finite beings seeking to grasp and try to understand things that are divine. He said here in seminary, all we can do is try to use our human language to categorize and describe things that are not human. He said, if you came looking for answers, I'm sorry to disappoint you, you won't find answers here. Because we have no answers to the divine because the divine goes far beyond our thinking, no matter how critical we may think, no matter how smart we may be, we are physical beings, he said, trying to explain away and understand spiritual concepts. And for that, brothers and sisters, he said, there will always be a lapse in understanding and reality because there is so little we know about our reality as humans let alone tapping into the spiritual reality. And as you all know, I was upset 
Because I had paid my money even though I was on scholarship. I was on a partial scholarship. I'm upset now because you've been teaching this 30-something years and you don't have no answers. And I'm paying this money and I done took time off of working to come here and get answers. And now you're telling me with all your knowledge, all your degrees in Old Testament and New Testament, you don't have any answers? Brothers and sisters, this spirituality, this concept of the Holy Spirit goes beyond knowledge. And what I learned in that moment, what I realized in that moment is that many people also come to church seeking answers. Many people also come to church seeking some kind of answer for their pain and sorrow and are deceived by thinking that God is going to give them answers. But brothers and sisters, God isn't focused on giving you an answer. You may come to your own conclusion and your own answer, but God isn't focused on giving you an answer. God is focused on making sure you move from seeking answers to understanding. And it's to the understanding that your role and my role here on this earth isn't to have answers, but is to trust in the one that has the answer. You realize on, even on your job, that in the position you have on your job, there are people that have a higher position to you than you do. And they're privy to certain information and you're privy to certain information. Some of you all that are managers, you know what it is or what it's like on your job when you have all of the facts and all of the knowledge and the people that are working under you are just so upset with you and the things that you're doing but they only have a small perspective of what's really going on behind the scenes. Brothers and sisters, it's not our job to have all the answers. It's not our job to have a full panoramic view of what's going on because if we had the answers, we wouldn't trust in God and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And brothers and sisters, seeking logical explanations for God's actions will always interfere with the work of the Spirit. I said seeking logical explanations for God's answers will always interfere with the work of the Spirit. That's why Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And in all our ways, consider him and he will make our path straight. Brothers and sisters, faith is not logical and is in most cases irrational. Therefore, receiving full aspect or full access to the Holy Spirit requires unreasonable faith. You see, there's no logical explanation for why God allowed you to wake up this morning. There's no logical explanation to why you survived when you should have died. There's no logical explanation to why the attacks of people trying to hurt you and harm you did not defeat you. There's no logical explanation to the sicknesses that should have destroyed your body but didn't kill you. There's no logical explanation to why you're the only one in your family to be as successful as you are. The only explanation is that your father left you with an inheritance, which is that of the Holy Spirit, which was designed to guide your life. 
The only issue is, brothers and sisters, we have a hard time trusting in that Holy Spirit. Because it's evident in the way we talk about God and talk about Jesus. Those are things that we feel like are more tangible. Those are things or aspects of, of, of theology that, that, that we hold on to a little bit tighter. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's something we don't comprehend as well. Because we don't see necessarily how the Spirit works. We don't comprehend how the Spirit works. And at least with Jesus, you can see Jesus working throughout the Bible. You, 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 you can see Jesus characterized as a physical being. At least in the Old Testament, when they talked about God, at least God showed up as a burning bush. At least God spoke with the voice of thunder. Brothers and sisters, we, we have a hard time with this Holy Spirit because he's, he's a very abstract concept. And we don't quite know where this Holy Spirit fits in our belief, fits in our theology. Makes me think of when I was at Fort Jackson. As you all know, I'm in the Army National Guard and I'm a chaplain. And I may have told you all this story before, but even if you've heard it before, act like it's your first time hearing it because I like telling it. Uh, no matter if you're an enlisted soldier or you're an officer, you have to go through some kind of training course. And there's this 40 foot or well, 30 foot tall uh, wall and it's known as Victory Tower. Amen. Come on, Sister Goodlett. And at that Victory Tower, we, 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 we are charged with the task of repelling down the Victory Tower. And brothers and sisters, the Victory Tower looks equally as tall from the bottom as it does from the top. And you have to climb all the stairs to get to the top of the Victory Tower. And as I've said somewhere before, I don't know if I've told you all or not, but I, I love this story. We all get harnessed in with our, our ropes and they do something called a Swiss knot, I believe it's called, to, to tie you in. And when you get to the top of the tower, you, you have a rope and, and the jump master, that's the one that has all of the infinite knowledge of how to repel from the top to the bottom of the tower. They're, they're so good at repelling, they can repel forwards and backwards. They, they don't need any type of help. They're called the jump master. The jump master instructs you to go on to the edge of the tower. You get the rope and the rope is connected to you in a way where you have to hold the rope in front with your left hand and then hold the rope in the back with your right hand. And brothers and sisters, at this point in time, you can imagine most of us that are soldiers have never been up this high. So we're shaking and we're trembling. And the first thing the jump master tells us, in order to repel from the ledge down the tower, you have to reduce the slack by easing up on your backhand so that you can jump smoothly down the victory tower. He said, the hand in front of you does nothing. It's just there for comfort. It's the hand behind you that you cannot see that does all the work. And brothers and sisters, it didn't matter how many times he told each soldier that the hand in front of them did nothing. But the hand behind them is the one that had all the control that they could not see. Every soldier that got to the ledge, shaking, trembling, and eyes bucked wide open, would try to control the rope with 
their front hand because it was the hand that they could see. And brothers and sisters, when it got to my turn, I, I had heard the jump master say, the hand in front of you is just for comfort, but the hand behind you is the one that controls you. But, uh, but, 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 but brothers and sisters, I, 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 I was just so nervous on that ledge. You see, because I'm looking back and it'd be one thing if I was rappelling down and I was looking down. It's another thing to rappel backwards and lean back onto nothing. And I'm trying to jump and I'm not going anywhere. I keep trying to jump and I'm not rappelling. And he says, soldier, you're going to have to you're going to have to loosen up the rope on your back. With the hand that you can't see, the hand that's behind, and I'm like, but 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 I I I I just want to keep using this hand because I can see it, and, and 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 brothers and sisters, he looked at me and said, take a deep breath, calm down, and I'm gonna slowly guide you as you step off the ledge, and brothers and sisters, lo and behold, as I eased up a little bit, I was able to slowly move off the ledge, and brothers and sisters, although I had heard it, although I had seen other soldiers doing it. It wasn't until I truly trusted for myself in the hand that I couldn't see and let go of the things that I could see. And brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to get you to realize is trusting in the Holy Spirit is trusting in that hand that you can't see and relinquishing the power of the things that you can't that you can see. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we find ourselves just like the rest of those soldiers that are on the ledge. Stuck between being able to have the victory. Stuck between wandering around in our personal wildernesses. Stuck between being in bad relationships. Stuck between being in addiction. Stuck between financial solitude and financial insecurity. Stuck between all these things because we're putting our trust in things that we can see. But not trusting in a God that we can't see. Brothers and sisters, this, 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 this inheritance... That God gives us. The Greek word for. Holy Spirit. Is paraclete. And this word paraclete. Means Holy Spirit in Greek. But it also means advocate. Counselor or helper. That's why you have the paramedics who help you when you're hurt. That's why you have a parachute when you jump off a cliff or a building. That's why you have a paraprofessional that helps you in the classroom. This, this paraclete is the aspect of a helper that God has given you to go through life. But our issue is we can't see this paraclete. Our issue is we can't see this Holy Spirit. So we rather trust in the hand that we can see and not trust in the things that we can't see because it doesn't bring us equal security. But brothers and sisters, John 14, 16 to 21 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he lives within you and you will be in him. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. Also, will 
also you will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Brothers and sisters, the power of the Holy Spirit is our inheritance from God. You see, this spirit has been with us from the beginning and will be with us in the end. Oftentimes, we just go straight to the book of Acts for an understanding of the Holy Spirit. Not realizing the Holy Spirit's work is evident throughout the Old Testament. And what we need to think about when we think about the aspect of the Spirit. What we need to be encouraged by every time we get discouraged. What we need to be encouraged by every time we feel alone. What we need to use as motivation is Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And brothers and sisters, this breath that he used, the Hebrew word is ruach. And ruach is the Hebrew word for spirit, brothers and sisters. And if we take that verse in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and also connected to John chapter 20 verses 22. It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, I know you're wondering, well, pastor, what are you talking about in John chapter 2 verses and John chapter 20 verses 22? I'm talking about when, 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 when all the disciples were up in the upper room and they were hiding and they were afraid because Jesus of Nazareth had just been crucified. And they're up in this upper room hiding. And it says Thomas is finally up among them and Jesus walks through a locked door. You see, they will lock the door to keep out the guards. They locked the door to keep out all their fears. But it said Jesus came through the locked door. And the first thing Jesus did was say, peace be with you. And after he said, peace be with you, it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So if we look at Genesis 2 and we look at John 20, and we combine them together. The consistent theme is the breath of God. And it's something about the breath of God that invokes the spirit, the Holy Spirit, into our mortal bodies. And brothers and sisters, what that means is that with each breath that we take, we are evoking the breath of God. That going all the way back to Adam in Genesis chapter 2, we can evoke the presence of God just through breathing from day to day. So that means no matter how upset you get, no matter how forlorn you are, no matter how discouraged you get, no matter how confusing or frustrating things may be, as long as you're breathing. You're invoking the power of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, giving him life to his immortal soul. And brothers and sisters, that means we can have a new life 
with new and refreshed breath. Brothers and sisters, this is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into a situation of chaos, confusion, and fear. What that means is whenever you're facing chaos and confusion and fear, the breath that you take is evoking the Holy Spirit, giving you some aspect of peace. So therefore, we must be reminded that each breath we take shouldn't be taken for granted. That each breath we take is commemoration of our inheritance of the Holy Spirit from God. And if that Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the surface of the deep and hovered over the waters before, before the earth was even formed, if that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that God breathed into Adam. If that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that David had when he fought against Goliath. If that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that gave Paul the ability to cast out demons and heal the sick and the blind. If that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that freed Peter from jail. Brothers and sisters, that same Holy Spirit is the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. And if it can raise Jesus from the dead, it can raise you from any situation. It can raise you from any hardship or calamity. It can raise you from any aspect of despair and disbelief. All you have to do with each breath is be reminded that the power of the Holy Spirit is an inheritance from God. Don't take each breath lightly. And don't take it for granted. And if you think about the concept of this being an inheritance from God, what I ask you moving forward and what I want you to meditate on throughout the week is that with each breath you take, what will you do with the inheritance God has left for you? If the Holy Spirit is our inherent blessing and gift from God, what will you do with that inheritance? What will you do with every breath that you take that God has given you? At this time, if you do not have a church home, if you're looking for a church home, or realistically, if you're looking for a relationship with God, that should be your first question. Now, that should be your first task. What you first need to do is take a deep breath. And with that breath, think about the fact that the same breath that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam so that he could have life is the same breath that's coursing through your lungs. And that because of that breath, you have life today. And if you want to devote that life that you have to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, make that commitment now. Go from just breathing to believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And then from believing in your heart Confess it with your mouth and let it be evident in your actions so that you can truly be a believer and follower of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you need a pastor or need a church community, New Morning Light Baptist Church is an excellent example of a church community and family which can harbor your new relationship with God. Give God your heart. Give the pastor your hand so that I can help guide you along this spiritual journey. I thank you for joining us, and I thank you for being a part of our worship experience. 
And I want you to remember, with each breath you take, don't take it for granted, but be reminded that it is our inheritance from the God we serve. Amen, and God bless you.